Pastor Marcus, how are you going to be putting me on blast like that? Oh, man. He actually made my response sound a lot nicer than it actually was. All right, so yes, my name is Emily, and I'm an intern pastor here at New Philadelphia Church, and if I don't look familiar to you, it's because I actually serve at the Hillside Campus, okay? Uh, But actually, Pastor JM, he was asking me, have I ever been here before? And I said no. Uh, But when I I started thinking about it during worship, and actually I've been here one time, it was about, yeah, it was about a year and a half ago, and it was the week I arrived here, sorry, a year and a half ago when I first arrived here in Korea. And uh, my first week here, Pastor Christian brought me in to introduce me to the congregation. And then ever since then, I never came back. And so this is my second time at a full Itaewon service. And it's pretty amazing that I'm preaching the word. God's amazing. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, I just said that I've been here for about a year and a half, and not only have I been an intern pastor, but I've also been in seminary. So I never planned on going to seminary, it just kind of happened, and I think one of the biggest struggles I have in seminary is, you know, I didn't grow up in the church, okay, so I constantly feel like I need to catch up. I constantly feel like, you know... They're talking about exegesis. They're talking about hermeneutics. They're talking about Hebrew, Greek. Hey, let's, let's, let's compare the New Testament Greek to Old Testament Hebrew. And meanwhile, I'm still trying to get the story straight. I'm, I still don't know all the names. And I can't really put the names to the Bible stories. And so recently in one of my Hebrew exegesis classes, our teacher assigns a 10-page exegesis paper on the book of Jonah, okay? And, of course, the typical questions start coming up in your mind. So, how do you write an exegesis paper? Okay, where do you start? How do you choose the passage? And while all that's going on in my mind, to be honest, the first thing that went on in my mind was, crap, I have to read the book of Jonah. (laughs) And all I knew at the time was that it was in the Old Testament, And Old Testament means long books, right? So I was thinking, oh, it's probably going to be like, I don't know, like 60 pages or something. And I'm already at a disadvantage, right? Because people can get straight into their paper, but I have to read the whole book of Jonah. And so I went home, find out that Jonah's like three pages. (laughs) I was like, thank you, Jesus. Uh, But as I was reading Jonah, it was a good book. It was a really good book. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest pieces of revelation I got was not profound, okay? The revelation I got was that Jonah is the one that got swallowed by the whale. (laughs) You know, because not growing up in the church, you know about certain stories, right? You know about Adam and Eve, and they took some apple from some tree, Okay, you know about Noah and some boat and some animals, and then you know about some guy that got swallowed by a whale. Okay, and so when I first got saved, I started reading the book of Genesis. And when I got to Noah, I said, okay, there's Noah, and then there's the boat, okay, there's the animals. And then when I got to the end of Genesis, I was so disappointed. 
Like, where is the guy that got swallowed by the whale? How many of y'all know that Jonah and Noah rhyme? I thought that Noah was Jonah because Noah was on the boat, so it makes sense that he would fall into the water and get swallowed by a whale. But little did I know that the guy that actually got swallowed by the whale was somewhere in between this huge Old Testament in two pages. And so, why am I showing this highly embarrassing story? Hmm? I'm sharing this embarrassing story because I want you guys to know where I'm coming from. Okay, because today we're actually going to be speaking from a passage that if you grew up in church and if you attended Sunday school, okay, you're going to be really familiar with. And it's the story of Zacchaeus. But I want you guys to come into this passage with me with some fresh eyes, okay? With some new ears, with a new ability to take in a new perspective, okay? Fresh slate. Sound good? All right. Turn your Bibles with me to Luke 19. We can pretend like we're in Sunday school again. Except we're all a lot smarter, and you don't have some girl in the front talking to you in a really high-pitched voice like you're dumb. (laughs) Was that inappropriate? Sorry. (laughs) You know, we really have to thank Luke for this passage, because if you didn't know, in all four gospel accounts, Luke is the only one that records the story of Zacchaeus and Jesus. So without Luke, we would not have this amazing testimony about how this chief tax collector's life was transformed. Okay. Are you guys all there? Look up at me if you are. Yep. All right. Uh, I'm going to read the passage for you guys, but please, please follow along. Now he, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector And was rich. So here, chief tax collector, this is the only place where we see the title chief tax collector. Okay, so basically, we know what a tax collector is. So most likely, chief tax collector means that Zacchaeus had tax collectors working under him who had tax collectors working under them who had tax collectors working under them. Okay, so he was the big dog, all the money goes to him, and Zacchaeus was rich. Okay. Can I get all the ladies in the house to say, hey, sugar daddy? (laughs) No? Okay, fine. (laughs) Fine. (laughs) Okay, let's let's move on to verse 3. Okay? And (laughs) he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but... On account of the crowd, he could not because he was, well, vertically challenged. Okay? It says here in ESV, he was small in stature. Okay? Zacchaeus, he was very short. Okay? I was going to have the ladies go, dang it, but (laughs) I don't think you guys are going to do that, huh? So it's okay. It's okay. We love our short men. I'm digging myself into a hole. (laughs) But you know what? Zacchaeus didn't care that he was short. He made up for his height because he was rich. And not only that, (laughs) 
Not only that, but he was smart. He was what we call street smart. Okay? He was smart. He saw the crowd. And so what does it say that he did? Verse 4. So he ran up ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus, he hurried and came down, received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they being the Jews all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of God, Jesus' mission, came to seek and to save the lost. right. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? God, I thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to speak here at Itaewon. I pray, God, that we would learn about Zacchaeus as if we are children again, God. And that we would learn about this amazing testimony of how you transformed a chief tax collector's life, God, in just a moment, in just an encounter with you. And so, Lord, I pray that the revelatory power of your Holy Spirit will be released into this room today and that not a single heart here would leave this sanctuary unchanged. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So here in this passage, okay, Jesus self-invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. How many of you guys like unexpected guests? Can I get your hands? Okay, a few of you. Very small few of you. I think it's countable on a hand. I hate unexpected guests. I'll use that language. Hate. I hate it when people invite themselves over without announcing it. So that's like not even a call when they're at the door. It's ding dong, right? And I, I just don't like it. Why? I'm a very prepared person. I like things to be in order. I like my house to be clean before someone comes. I don't want to have my pajamas on. I want my makeup on, okay? I want to be pretty put together. It's really annoying when it's someone that you don't really like to. Okay, let's, let's be real, okay? We're Christians, we're called to love everyone, but we're not called to be buddy-buddy with everyone, right? Sometimes there's someone that, you know, you just don't get along that well. And so, especially when it's those people, it's like, why are you inviting yourself over to my house? Okay? But in this case, it wasn't that case. Because Jesus, he's like a celebrity, He's walking through Jericho, and everyone wants to see him. So it's not, it's not that scenario, but it's more like, oh my gosh, Jesus is an honored guest. I need to run home before you get there so I can clean my house and make sure everything is in order. That's more of the scenario that this is it, okay? Now, when I was growing up, okay, 
Maybe the reason why I disliked having unexpected guests so much is because I had a very extroverted mother. And she always had parties at our house. So Thanksgiving, Christmas, um, barbecues, any chance she had, she would have a huge party. I'm talking 40, 50 people deep, okay? lot of people coming over to my house. Imagine this child who's, I'm a, I'm a huge introvert, so I'm like, oh, I'd be happy if I was by myself in my house all day long. And, uh, I, but I remember, uh, you know, a few hours, or maybe even the night before, we would have this party. The house is a war zone, okay? My mom is screaming, telling us to clean up, okay? She's trying to cook and prepare for the party, but at the same time, she's saying, Vacuum the floor. Clean this. Clean that. Make sure that room's clean. And she's screaming. And my sister's always the one, you know, vacuuming the whole house because she's 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 a really good girl. Okay. <laughs> and then my mom will scream, be screaming at my dad, Edward, Edward, clean the den, clean the den. But my dad, he's he's really really. He can't multitask. Okay, he's a very focused person. So am I. I take after my dad. We just like to focus, get one thing done at a time. And so it's almost impossible to get my dad to do anything if he's already doing something. And so she, she goes into, like, different modes, you know. She's like, Daddy! And Dad, oh, you guys don't know that. So in Chinese, okay, <laughs> the way we say Daddy is actually Daddy. Okay, so my mom, you know how your moms call your dad, Dad? Yeah, when they call him. So he's just like, Daddy! <laughs> and that doesn't work. And then she's like, come on! That's his Chinese name. That doesn't work. And then she always, then she goes, I, see, my, I'm my dad's princess. Okay, so my mom, if she goes, Em! He'll like stop everything he's doing. He'll be like, why are you calling her? I'll do it, I'll do it. You know? But my point is that the house is a war zone. But somehow, okay, when people start trickling in, our house is in complete order. You all know what I mean, right? Like, there's not a speck of dust. The house smells beautiful. The windows are open. There's a breeze coming in. Sunlight's coming out. My mom is, is at peace, like, making some salad. And she has this nice apron on. I didn't even know she had. You know, normally, she has this orange one that has, like, burnt holes all over it from when she cooks. And then, and then, you know, her friends come in. And it's like, where are the kids? And then she just look outside. And then me, my sister, my brother have our dog outside <laughs> playing basketball, which we never do unless we have people over. <laughs> and then somehow my dad has, like, hooked up these wires. And all of a sudden our house has, like, surround sound. And there's classical music playing all around our house. And we don't even listen to classical music. You know, and so, you know, we all do this, though, don't we? No? No? Really? I don't know, but come on. If someone comes over to your house, you want it to look neat, right? And it's a social norm. It's just what we all do, right? But it becomes a problem, okay? It becomes a problem when we take this pattern and put it into our spiritual life. Okay. We start tucking things into the cabinets of our heart. We start hiding things into the corners of our heart, thinking that if God can't see it, he might come over to our place and stay. 
Hmm? You know, we know that God knows everything, right? We know that our stuffing everything under the bed doesn't work with God. He sees the unseen. Yet we still remain busy. Shoving everything out of sight so we think to help God love us. Now here in the story of Zacchaeus, when Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house, how does he respond? Okay, let's, let's look at verse 6. Let's read it together. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Okay, it didn't say I w-. Zacchaeus pulled up his pants and then went down. It didn't say Zacchaeus made a call to a servant, hey, clean the house, and then came down. No, no, no. Zacchaeus hurried. It said he made haste, went down, and received Jesus joyfully. Interesting, huh? And so I think that this character of Zacchaeus is worth investigating. What do you guys think? Yeah. And so what do we know about Zacchaeus so far? Okay. Ladies, what do we know about Zacchaeus so far? Yep. I'm glad you guys learned one thing tonight. He's rich. He's powerful. And he's short. (laughs) We also know by the Jews grumbling, calling him a sinner, that most people perceive Zacchaeus as a sinner as well, right? Why? Okay. During that time, sinners and tax collectors were grouped together because tax collectors, how they got their money was they conned their own people. Okay. They conned their own Jews, they conned Jews out of their money and gave the taxes to Rome and whatever they could make extra, that was their money. So if they're really rich like Zacchaeus, most likely they're really good at conning people out of their money because whatever's extra is his. Okay. Let me find out where I am. All right. Now, besides him being rich, besides him being powerful, and besides him being short, okay, he's a he's called a sinner. Now, what else do we know about Zacchaeus? Okay. You know, for me, every time I read a story in the gospels, what I do is I go into Google and I type in, say, I'm reading about the Good Samaritan. I'll type in Good Samaritan Sunday school search. Okay. Zacchaeus Sunday school search. Why? Because I didn't get to go to Sunday school. I want to know the pictures. (laughs) I want to know the cool ways you can remember the names and the stories. And I want to know the songs. Okay. And so I looked up Zacchaeus Sunday school. But what was surprising was I found that in my opinion, okay, I found that I didn't quite agree with what most Sunday schools teach their kids. To me, it felt a little bit too sugar-coated. It felt like they were trying too hard to be Christian. It felt like they were trying too hard to find the best in Zacchaeus. If that makes sense. Okay, they would say things like, 
You know, our man Zach, okay, he's a good man. We shouldn't make assumptions based off of his wealth and his occupation because why? Jesus didn't. True. Okay, true. And then they say things like, you know, Zacchaeus, he may have been a chief tax collector, but he was motivated by a wonderful desire, right? He wanted to see Jesus. And that's true too, okay? But here's where it gets a little bit too sugar-coated, okay? Zacchaeus was so full of faith that he could see Jesus. He was a man of humility. He starts climbing this tree. And because this tree is a few meters off the ground, that means it's a little bit closer to heaven. And, and it's just, it's, they're making this tree sound so righteous. And him climbing this tree is so equivalent to seeking Jesus. You know, and when I read it, I was like, where is that in the text? Hmm. And so if climbing this righteous tree is seeking God, okay, my question for you today is, then why is it that the first thing that Jesus says to Zacchaeus when he comes to the tree is, come down? Okay, so today's message, for those of you guys taking notes, is come down. Come down. Now, I don't really know why we sugarcoat things in the Bible, especially testimonies. You know, here at New Philly, we don't sugarcoat our testimonies. We really, really don't. In fact, we exaggerate our testimonies, right? You know, you smoked pot three times. I was a pothead. And then God, like, transformed me and met me in a dream. Right? We all do it. And, and don't, don't condemn yourselves because, I mean, our heart is just to push the limits until it's not a lie so that we can give glory to God. Yeah? <laughs> but if we don't do this, if we don't do this in our own testimonies, then that's how much more we can't do this when it comes to the sacred testimonies of God written in Scripture. Okay, why are we robbing God of the transformation power that he does in a man's life in the Bible by downgrading where he was to where he became, right? Okay, so if... I'm not trying to evilize Christians either, okay? Don't get me wrong. I mean, I I see where they're coming from, right? Because... Like, Jesus has compassion on the orphans. Jesus has compassion on people that are abused, neglected, right? So how does it make sense that Jesus would have compassion on the guy that does the maligning, the guy that does the abusing, right? And so we, I, think it's, I think it might be an attempt to try to justify Jesus' compassion, but Jesus doesn't need no justification, okay? Okay. So, with that, we have to go back to the questions. So, if Zacchaeus didn't climb this tree because of all these, you know, righteous reasons, then why did he climb the tree? Okay, let's read verse 3. And 
He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short. The Bible says it because he was short, right? He climbed the tree because he was what? Short. Short. Okay, that's it. Next. (laughs) That's it. Now, why did he want to, if he just climbed the tree because he was short, then why did he want to see Jesus so bad, right? Why would he climb a tree? Why would he want to see Jesus so bad if it's just because he's short? Our, our church office is in Hongdae now, you know. And you know Hongdae, it has a lot of those street performers, right? And even yesterday, I saw, I, I, I don't, I'm not even that into street performances, honestly, but I was, and I was even in a hurry going to the subway station. But for some reason, this one street performance couple had a huge crowd around them. And I wasn't interested, but when you see a crowd, you just want to go over there. And you're like, what's going on? You know, that could be a reason. That might have been what Zacchaeus was doing. You know, there were multitudes coming to see Jesus just pass through. He probably wanted to check out who this guy was. Okay? But some people say that's not the case. It could also be that... Zacchaeus was a Jew. He probably grew up reading the Torah. He probably heard about the prophecies of the coming Messiah. And word on the street is, is that Jesus is the most eligible candidate. I want to check him out. I don't know. I'm just giving you guys some answers. You guys can think for yourself, all right? But I'm just saying, like, that could be a reason why he wanted to see Jesus so bad. Now, did he, what was the motivation behind him climbing this tree? Did he want to be seen by Jesus or did he want to hide? Again, I don't know. It's not, it's not written in scripture, but we have brains and we can use it. Um, let's see. If I was Bill Gates, I probably wouldn't want to be seen trying to see Jesus. If I was the richest man in Jericho, I'm not sure if I would want to be amongst the crowd trying to see Jesus. I mean, I guess it boils down to pride a little bit, but that could be Jesus or Zacchaeus' mentality. So I'm going to hide up in this tree. Okay, sycamore is actually a fig tree. Okay, so in the NIV, it actually calls it a sycamore fig tree. And so if you guys remember, Adam and Eve, they covered themselves up with what? Fig leaves right? They're big leaves. So, I mean, it could be a nice hideout for Zacchaeus. He could have been hiding. I don't know. Okay. In my opinion, with my own experience, I, for me, I envision this. Okay. I envision that he climbs this tree because he wants to be seen though. Why? Oh, you guys don't know me. Itaewon doesn't know me. I used to be a part of beauty pageants. Okay. No, no. (laughs) And when you are a beauty queen, you have to go in a lot of parades. Okay? And this is what I kind of envision in this story is Jesus is kind of that beauty queen, right? Going down this parade route. And there's multitudes on the sides of the streets trying to see. Okay? I remember when I was... I won't give out the title, but I was Miss Something, okay? And I was sitting on my Corvette, and there's this huge parade in Seattle where, like, 30,000 people come out. It's a 2.5-mile parade, and so it takes two hours. That's two hours of this. (laughs) 
And then you have to pretend like you want to start waving to the people on the other side, but really it's just because your arm's tired. So you lift your left hand and start waving to the other side. And you know, sometimes when I would be on this parade route, I would see there were some sporadic trees, okay? And sometimes I would see that a kid would climb up into that tree. He stands out. I'm like, oh my gosh, he wants to see it so bad. And what, I, what do I do? I give him some special attention. Let me give you some pageant pointers. What we do is we point, and then he goes, and then you point again, and then you give him the little wave. <laughs> give him the little wave. And then he's like, and then he freaks out, and he starts telling his friends, and it just makes his day. Okay? You have to entertain yourself somehow. It's two hours of this parade route. <laughs> Anyways, that's kind of what I see with Zacchaeus. Okay, he's on this tree. Jesus is going to notice him. I don't think that's why he specifically went there. Jesus knows everything, okay? There's, it was a divine. When he said he has to come, he said today. That signifies a divine reason. But I'm just kind of helping you guys paint a mental picture, okay? And so... I think that Zacchaeus was there to be seen. And probably in his mind, he's probably saying something along the lines of this. I'm brilliant. I am amazing. Out of all these people here, Jesus chooses to stop at my tree. He must have seen how well I climbed. He must have seen how high I climbed. Huh? And this mentality isn't foreign to us, is it? It's not. God, I finally finished all 66 books of the Bible. Are you going to be stopping by my tree? Hmm? Or I actually prayed 60 minutes straight. And we think God's going to be like, I'm going to stop by your tree. Right? But the thing is, okay, whether it's to be seen or unseen, it doesn't matter. Because what is in the scripture, it says that Jesus said, come down. Okay? He says, come down. Down And here in the Greek, come down is in the second person imperative. Okay? What that means is, second person means you come down. Imperative means it's a command. It's not, will you come down? Do you want to come down? Are you willing to come down? It's you come down and hurry. Okay? So we kind of talked about Zacchaeus, didn't we? We kind of heard about what Jesus said to Zacchaeus. Now, what about the crowd? Okay, can you guys read verse 7 with me? And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Okay. He has gone in. It's in the third person. That means they're not speaking to Jesus, being like, Jesus, why would you go with the sinner? They're talking amongst themselves. They're kind of a little bit grumbling, gossiping, okay? And they're saying, how would he go fellowship with this tax collector, okay? 
they're not tweeting here, yay, Zach. Okay, they're tweeting something more like, good for Zach, hashtag not, hashtag Jesus is crazy, hashtag is he really the Messiah? Okay, that's what's going on in their minds. And on a side note, on a side note, okay, whenever Jesus gives out love, compassion, grace, mercy, and the people of God aren't able to celebrate, okay, when they grumble, you're basically saying that I deserve it more than them. I deserve Jesus's compassion and love more than that person. And when you're saying that, you're saying that grace is merited, and when you're saying grace is merited, you've completely missed the gospel of grace. Now, that was a little harsh. <laughs> so let's, let's, give, let's give the Jews a little bit of slack, okay? Why were they grumbling, okay? Jesus socially frustrated people. Yeah, I said it. It's Jesus' fault. It's Jesus' fault. Because if Jesus would tell them why he's going to hang out with tax collectors and sinners, maybe it would help. You know, how many of you guys are going on missions this, this mission season? Yeah? You know, we, we raise support, right? And when we write our support letters, we tell them why we're going. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm hoping to see this many people saved. I'm going there on this kind of mission. I'm not going there to vacation. Don't worry. Your money is safe. Right? <laughs> If Jesus would just say this, okay, hey, I'm fellowshipping with tax collectors and sinners because I'm going to go save them. Don't worry. Pray for me. <laughs> I think that the Pharisees and the Jews, they wouldn't have a problem with that. But Jesus doesn't justify himself. He doesn't need to. And when we're not able to see the character and the, the way that God works, okay, things start to get a little competitive. Things start to, um, we start telling each other that we need to climb a little bit higher, don't we? When someone comes into the church, we're saying, why are you coming into the church all happy? You're addicted. Don't come in here with a smile. You should be full of godly sorrow, right? Why are you walking hand in hand like Zacchaeus with God when you did this and this last night? We do that sometimes, and it's because we see grace as merited. We don't see grace as given freely. And so, you know, being in seminary especially, you know, one time I tried to fellowship with someone in seminary, and I told her a little bit about some issues I was struggling with, okay? And I told her, you know, I'm kind of struggling with this. And then, you know what her answer was? I mean, there's a lot of really awesome people at seminary. Okay, don't get me wrong. This was one time. Okay. But what happened was she told me, you know what? I prayed about it, and I feel like you're not praying enough. I feel like you need to get a little bit more deep into scripture. I feel like you need to come up with a plan and then bring it to God. I feel like you need to climb a little bit higher in your tree. Climb higher. Isn't that the answer we give sometimes? When Jesus is telling us to just come down now. 
not fix your problems, not come up with a plan and then come. He's just saying, come down. You know, sycamores are huge. Sycamores are 20 feet, 20 meters tall, six meters wide. It's not just Zacchaeus that could have fit there, okay? His family and his friends could fit there. And what we've done, okay, is we're, we're so happy. We're so comfortable. Sycamore trees in that time, it was a source of comfort, okay? So the leaves provided shade. The figs provided food. It was a source of comfort. It was a source of comfort. And what has happened is that we have gotten so comfortable in these trees. We are building tree houses. And we're planning on living there. And we're encouraging people to climb higher. We're, we're saying, hey, you're almost there. Come on. And pretty soon we have people falling out of tree houses because they're tired. When Jesus is telling us to just come down. Hmm. Come down. And while you're coming down, don't try to grab some fig leaves with you so that when you're down, you can start covering yourself up more. Okay? Come down. Come down from living life your way. Come down from depending on your own strength. Come down from trying to fix yourself first. Come down from pretending like you're perfect. Come down. Come down. That's what Zacchaeus did. Zacchaeus probably had a multitude of problems, more problems than you. Okay, he conned so many people. You know, he probably, he, I was saying he's not a poor soul, but you know what? He probably does have a guilty conscience that he hides. While he's living like a God, he probably isn't very happy. He had problems when he came down, but what did he do? He obeyed and he came down. And what happened when he came down? Okay. When he came down, let's read verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Okay, if you guys actually, I'm not going to read it, I was gonna, but I'm just going to explain it to you guys, okay? So if we look into the Levitical law, which is what they had at that time, according to the law, it required Zacchaeus to pay back what he owed plus one-fifth, which is 20%, okay? So what Zacchaeus owed, the day that he found, the day that he comes clean, he owes 120%. But what do we see that Zacchaeus gives? 400%. Not only that, but half his possessions he gives to the poor. He exceeds the law by 280%. Why? He met a man. He met a man. He met a man that did what thousands of years the law could not accomplish. You know, who's Zacchaeus? Hmm. Who is Zacchaeus? You're Zacchaeus. I'm Zacchaeus. We all fall 
short of the glory of God. But one day, God called us by name, didn't he? Just like Zacchaeus. He called us by name and he told us, come down. And we came down. Some of us, you know, maybe our, our problems weren't fixed immediately and we got back up into that tree. You know, Zacchaeus' response, it wasn't a bargain. Okay, let's get that straight. Jesus didn't tell him that you need to pay back this now that you know that you have whatever. You have a relationship with me, now you have to do this. No, that's not the case. Okay, this was not karma. This isn't, he deserved it. He did all this, now he needs to repay. This was an offering. This was justice. This was Zacchaeus' response to grace. Okay? You know, I can't help but imagine, what would our church look like if we were all committed to continually coming down? It's not just a one-time thing. We have to be committed to continually come down. What would it look like if we didn't fear anymore what other people thought of us? You know, what would it look like if you no longer had to put up a false pretense? You no longer had to fake your prayers. You no longer had to fit a certain mold what would it look like if we all just came down that's what God's saying to you today hurry come down come down come down you know in a moment I'm going to open up the altar in a moment I'm going to open up the altar to everyone Who wants to come down? But I feel like in this room right now, there are a few of you who have never encountered Jesus. This is the first time that you felt Jesus say to you, called you by name, Rachel, come down. Judy, come down. David, come down. If that's you, I want you to stand. If that's you, I want you to stand right now. And I want you to know that it doesn't matter what anyone thinks. Okay? All the problems that you have, it doesn't matter. So let's all close our eyes right now and bow. And if that's you, I just want you to stand.